This is in the cockpit. I know I promised a pilot's lounge with guests when I tweeted. We didn't do that. No, we took a week off for John Con, and during our mini convention with friends, which honestly, calling it a convention is hilarious. It was just four people hanging out. Yeah. But it was four people hanging out for five days, so it was excellent. Rather than doing things like Gen Con. So we definitely plan on recording a pilot's lounge at the very least with, with our with our guests who are here, but we, we did a whole that. bunch of other stuff instead. And so it's just us today, reporting yep. back. We had a good week off. Um, sorry we missed an episode during that time. We just... However, I, I mean, I feel like we kind of earned it at this point, like over a year without like missing an upload. A like, year we might have, like, and a, a half. Yeah, like maybe a day off, but I don't think we were ever more than a day off on an upload. Nope. Anyways, I'm Josh, one of your co-pilots. That's Justice, another one of your co-pilots. And today we're just going to hang out in the cockpit and talk about whatever. Um, namely, we're definitely going to be talking about the Green Knight, so if you haven't seen that, spoilers ahead. And we are going to be talking about the Suicide Squad. Not Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, the new James Gunn one. Yes, they both have the word the in front of them, separating them from other versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's dive in. Where do you want to start? Uh, well, let's hold off on the Green Knight and Suicide Squad and just talk about some anime we've been watching, and then like some TV we've been watching, and then we'll get to... Yeah, that sounds good to me. Only anime I've been watching recently is Jujutsu Kaisen. Jujutsu Kaisen, yeah. We Almost that done up. with the first season now. Uh, it's very, very good. Yeah, that's all I have to say about Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah, no, Jujutsu Kaisen is just fucking dope. As far as non-anime I've been watching, I actually haven't been watching TV very much. I Hell's Kitchen's finally back. Thanks, yeah. Thank you, the Olympics yeah, are gone. I need to watch the newest episode. Yeah, that's it. That's that's it in non-anime, non-TV. Like I said, we, we were, we've been very busy the last week. I don't know if I'd watched it before our last initial, so I probably haven't mentioned it. Oh! Owl House on Disney Plus dropped some more episodes on it. And I know I fucking ranted about it when I first watched it. And uh, the new five episodes, not new, new, because Disney Plus is waiting a while. But the new to me five episodes and new to most people who don't use cable services, because who the fuck uses cable or dish or satellite television? Streaming services, right? That's what we use. It's only five episodes. And I think they're dropping it in chunks as like every five episodes. I think it's meant to be like... I want to say like 20-ish episodes, but it's great, just like the first season, and I fucking love the show. The show is fantastic. Like, it's made by people who are on Gravity Falls and shit, and I'm just gonna, yeah, it's perfect, man. Uh, well, it's not perfect, nothing is I mean, perfect, it's very it's pretty fucking great. Um, I did just remember, since our last interstitial, we have watched an anime film, Words Bubble like Soda Pop. It's, it's good, like... The art. The art is fucking fantastic. So, the movie itself is good. The art is mind-blowing. I spent the entire time watching that movie being like, God damn, look at those clouds. I spent the first half of the movie calling it Anime Mall Rats, because it it takes place in a mall, and it kind of just follows some different characters, and some of them are dumb, and it's great. Yeah, it's a good film. It's on Netflix, if you're interested in watching it. It's about a guy who writes poetry, Yep, and he has a classic phone swap moment with he write, a streamer girl. Yeah, he writes haikus. Um, not Sinryu, actual oh. haikus. They are generally about nature. He does have a few Sinryu in the movie, but also, if you can't tell, we watched Sinryu Girl, and we reviewed that. If you haven't listened to that episode, you should go check it out. It's about a girl who only communicates in Sinryu, a form of Japanese poetry of a tanka, which haikus are a major part of. It's just a poem consistent of 575. A Sinryu is more about... We've already discussed the difference between haiku yeah. and Sinryu. If you want to know what it is, just go check out Sinryu Girl's review. Yeah, unlike Sinryu Girl, though, our, our protagonist in Words Bubble Up doesn't only speak in haiku. Yeah. He just 
writes Haikyuu and is like really interested in Haikyuu. The movie's cute. That's all I gotta say about it. The movie's yeah. cute. The art's amazing. The plot's okay. Yeah. But I think that's gonna take us to. Oh, actually, before we dive into movies, did you see the news? Comic-related news? Tim Drake is gay. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, obviously. I wouldn't bring it up except it's a very. Haven't they like hinted at him in Superboy before, like quite a while ago? Yeah, but like they still haven't like canonized Superboy. But oh shit, really? Tim, Dr- yeah, Tim Drake w- goes on a date with one of his friends who like. I am. Yeah, the, the, like I only I, bring it I up because like sworn fucking Connor and Tim had hooked up before. No, that's, I that's, might just that's be too. Fandom. Ex- I just might be too exposed to the fucking fandom of shit. And that's, that's, what like, was, that's what that sounds right. That's what I was about to say. Like this is a this is one instance of like large media corporations, DC Comics in this case, yeah, listening to the fans. Yeah. And, like, the entire fandom has been, like, no, Tim Drake is gay. For yeah, like, no. And he's, he's been coded that way, mm-hmm. and now it's finally canon. I mean, that means now the only heterosexual Robin we have is just Damien, right? I don't know about Dick and Jason's sexualities. Oh, so. Dick Dick is bi. And I'm, I think Jason is. I have no idea. I do know that this is only the second gay Bat family member. Yeah. Uh, Casey Kane being the first? I believe so. Yeah, but I thought that was cool that like DC Comics was listening to their, what their fans wanted out of the character. Especially since Tim's kind of been like a limbo ever since Damien got introduced, right? Like, he, he hasn't really had like a character. Yeah, like, he has. His character is, I am the next Batman, fuck you. Well, you know, yeah, but like, within his own storytelling, his character's been kind of lost. Because he doesn't like have a direction. He doesn't see himself as Robin anymore because... Da- mm-hmm. because damien's robin but like he's not he's red robin i mean tim Dr- i mean drake i mean robin. oh shit can't be drake that's yeah. that's my last name fuck exactly like he's yeah. been kind of lost and like but i mean now in future state he legitimately is the new batman yeah yeah like in future state but anyways that's us catching up with comics uh we don't read a whole bunch of comics continuously but we do like i read more than he does yes but we do like follow the fandoms and like i enjoy learning about comics more than i enjoy reading them most of the time because like unless the comic book arc is very very good yeah you it, comic books in regards to you in my opinion is very much like when i try to get you to watch an anime she's like i have to guarantee you well this is this really good one except in comics it's this is the arc you definitely need to read <laughs> nothing else fucking matters yeah 100 percent. because i'll be like you know I just really want to read about Terry McGinnis. I'll go read through his entire history of stuff that I can find. Yeah, there's this giant swath of it that's just fucking shit. But I don't... I, I want to because I like Terry and it's just... Well, to really understand all of this one, I gotta go read about this and then I gotta go read about that. And then I'm just sitting around like, man, I didn't like that portion. But now it makes sense where I'm at with Future State Terry and stuff like that. Whereas I wait till somebody tells me, hey, you need to read this specific story Run. arc. Yeah. And I'll be like cool thank you yeah i think we've beat around the bush long enough now though that we could probably talk about the green knight so spoilers incoming or do you want to talk about suicide squad first i mean i feel like we should end on a good note so let's talk about green Knight. okay so in college i was an english major and what that means is i read sir guy in the green knight both in the updated english text mm-hmm. and in the original old english text i love that poem it's one of my favorite pieces of Arthurian legend, just because it's so far outside of normal Arthurian legend. Like, yeah, it and doesn't really have a lot of Arthur. It doesn't have a yeah, lot of no. the other knights. And like, um, in elementary school, I was super into Arthurian myth and legend. So, like, I read through all kinds of different fucking stories. I didn't obviously read the old English fucking version of Guy in the Green Knight when I was in like fucking third grade, but I have read that. 
And it's one of the stories from, like, Arthurian legend that I'll, like, reread every few years. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a copy of the book, well, a copy of the story. Yeah, it, you... It's translated into modern English by Tolkien. Yeah. You have a copy that you had from college mm-hmm. that I've also read because, I mean, different versions are slightly different, you know. Why not? Yeah. But I fucking love it. Like, Gawain is literally my favorite knight of the round. I think one of the important things to know about Sir Gawain and the Great Knight is... At the start of the story, Gaiwen is already the perfect knight. He, literally, the problem with Gaiwen at the start of the story is all the other knights see him as, like, one of the most honorable, chivalric knights of the round, and Gaiwen's just, like, has no self-confidence, really. The the boy has no self-esteem is basically this. The story of Gaiwen the Great Knight is he has to go and learn self-esteem. Yeah, and he has to learn that perfection is, only, not- is, is only something available to God. Like Yeah, because literally his problem with self-esteem isn't that he's not good, it's that well, I'm not perfect. I could be better. And it's just like, nah, man, you're human. You're allowed to fuck up. That yeah. is the essence of the story of Gaiwan and the Green Knights. You're already fucking great. And, Love yourself, bro. And while neither of us are religious people and don't like, wouldn't agree with the statement that only God is perfect. I agree I, with the sentiment of don't be so hard. Just love yourself, bro. Yeah, like, Gaiwan and the Green Knight is a great story because, like, it does end with the idea that, like, nobody can be perfect. Yeah. You can only be the best person you can be. And you're going to make mistakes. Because of that, it's a great story. That's not what this movie is. No. no. Um, let's just start with Gaiwin in this movie. A, he's not a knight. B, he's the son of Morgan Le Fay. Weird. He, yeah, he is the son of Morgan, isn't he? In the movie, in the yeah. Movie. Whereas in the story and like Arthurian legend, he's like the nephew of Morgan. Uh, yeah, he's the nephew of Ar- Ar- Arthur, Arthur, and thus is also the nephew yeah. of Morgan. Yeah, he is lazy, unmotivated, drunk, and he enjoys whoring around. Yeah, I mean, like, in Arthurian Myth and Legend, Gawain eventually does get, like, a reputation for being, like, a ladies' man a bit, but, like, later. Oh, yeah, and, like... And even then, it's not just, like... It's not like I go around and fuck everyone. It's just, like, nah, I I break hearts because I'm fucking awesome. Yeah, like, no, that even in the poem, there's a bit of that. Like, it's not that he's a ladies' man. It's that ladies swoon over him, and he's like, nah. Yeah, he's just a heartbreaker. It's just, like, I'm... I gotta go new knight stuff. So, the Gaiwin in the Green Knight film and in Sir Gaiwin in the Green Knight poem are two totally different characters. Already vastly different. And I will say the best part about the movie is Dev Patel's portrayal. Oh, yeah. I mean, De- of Gaiwin, even if. Dev Patel's a great actor. Like, I enjoy him when I see him. The problem is, he's always in movies I don't like. Yeah, kind Almost of. Almost always. So, in the poem, it's at the very, very end that we learn that Morgan had anything to do with the Green Knight at all. Yeah. Um, not the case in this movie. Mm-hmm. In the movie... It's fucking obvious from the get-go. Yeah, it's literally, like, part of the story. Although, I will say, the movie does a lot of work with very little dialogue. Yes. Even if I, like, I hate this movie. Like, blood-seedingly hate this movie. I have praise for it. Some of the shots are very, very beautiful. I know. Like, and it's got the, great camera work. The costuming is really well done for the most part. Yeah. And I say for the most part because I don't like the Green Knight's outfit, but whatever. Uh, and Dev Patel's character, like, he, they do a lot of good character building without dialogue. Yeah, it's just they don't build the right character. Yeah, no. Um. Anyways, Morgan summons the Green Knight to challenge the court because she wants her son to have an opportunity to become a knight. Um, yep. Again, not an issue in the original text. In the original text, Green Knight just shows up, kind of challenges. Also... And- the original text takes place on New Year's, not on um, Christmas. Christmas. But you know, changing that—that's a—that's fine. Okay, whatever. Well, I mean, now now it's a Christmas movie, like Die Hard. Yeah. If Die Hard's a Christmas movie, The Green Knight's now a Christmas movie. And and you know, in the original myth and legend, if I remember correctly, author kind of just steps back. And he's like, "Whoa, I just got back from a quest. Like, 
He's, my yeah. knight should earn some honor and renown here. And Gawain just steps him. He's like, I got this. Whereas in this, it's just people are challenged and Arthur is old for some reason like much older yeah uh like he seemed like he's in his 50s sir guy 60s maybe this sir guy when the green knight uh takes place early in the authorian cycle like yeah he's he's been a, sh- a king for a short while like don't get me wrong guy is one of the younger knights but yes that's because you have people like fucking sir k who are older than arthur because they're just like hey i was your actual father's friend i'm gonna Help you out, because I'm a good guy. Does Arthur, like, I'm I'm misremembering Lamorte to Arthur right now, but Arthur doesn't even, like, reach the age of 50, right? Like, he no. dies way before that. Yeah. This Arthur and his queen are way too old. Mm-hmm. Like, Guinevere and Arthur in this, way older than they have any right to be. But that's okay. It plays into a twist later on down the road. Yeah. So, Gawain cuts off the Green Knight's head, like you do. Green Knight picks his head up, like you do. And Gaiwin leaves his axe behind. Yeah, leaves his axe behind, and Gaiwin has to precipitate. Like in, in a year, he it, must find. He must journey to the Green Knight's home and allow the Green Knight to exact the same blow. Mm-hmm. I would like to point out here, um, just because a thing that bothered me: the Green Knight leaves his axe. Yes, in in the myth and legend and stuff, that's kind of the the prize for this whole thing. Like, yeah, you'll get this axe. So I was like, okay, cool. But later in the film, at the end, the Green Act, the Green Knight has his axe back. But we saw the fucking knights box it up. Okay, so and uh, keep it. So, so here, following that thread, we when um, Gaiwin leaves Arthur's castle, he has the axe with him, and then he gets mugged, loses the axe, then finds the axe in the. In the Did he it, have the axe with him? Yes, then finds the uh, axe in that farmhouse. I probably just had my brain turned off because by that point in the movie, I was just like, "I'm fucking uh, done." Yeah, he then finds the axe in the farmhouse after. Okay, he, I got you. Helps the ghost find her head. Okay, okay, I know where. I, uh, yeah, yeah, so he he lost it, and then it magically appears in the farmhouse. You're not wrong that it magically reappears. Yeah, just the timing. But everything magically yeah. fucking happens at the end of the fucking movie. So I will say a lot of this movie is just watching Gaiwin ride a horse. Yes, like a solid forty minutes. This movie feels like travel yeah and like nothing happens now you might be wondering why the fuck we even watched this film if you've looked at like review scores because critic reviews put it at like 90s and 88 percent 88 percent and audience scores put it at like a 30 last i saw yeah yeah and so honestly between us two we normally side more with a critic review yes 100 percent. which i would argue makes sense if you if you are aware of what we do on this show where we review things and critique it we we are definitely not like like full-blown critics but we are amateur critics yes and so we normally side more with that and like the non-spoiler reviews that we saw for shit was just like i wish there was more action us and our friends were just like well how the fuck would there be action (laughs) guy one in the green knight has like very little action it's just like two blows one guy gets his head chopped off the other one gets a small line down the back of his neck that's what happens in this film i saw all these critiques of the movie where people like oh i wish there had been more action i was like did you know what you were going to see? Like, yeah. So, and people, I saw other reviews where people were like, very faithful to the original poem. And I was like, cool. If this is both faithful to the original poem and has no shoehorned in action scenes, this should be a great adaptation. A, it's not a, it's not faithful to the original. Hell no. And B, goddamn, do I agree with everybody that said this could have used more action. Like, yeah. Now, if they had just wanted to make this like, I think any the generic is, this, uh, this King m- Arthur story where it's just like, we four went all the lore and just made him fight people. 
I would have liked it more. Well, I think the problem is this is a two hour and 15 minute movie that could have been an hour and a half. I mean, it probably could have just been. Well, we get down to an hour and a half by taking off the shit that the, like the back we'll, half of the we'll fucking film there. And we take off the other half hour by cutting all of the horse shots where he's just riding but, the horse in half. But we add an extra half hour back when we fix the fucking game of gifts. Oh, yeah. true. So during Guywin's travels, he is accosted by some thieves mm-hmm. and left with nothing. Bandits, really. He then finds an abandoned house, barn, and sleeps there, where he wakes up next to a ghost. The ghost is like, hey, I can't find my head. Can you find my head? It was thrown in this lake after this guy tried to rape me. Um, so, Gaiwin does it, but only after being like, well, what's in it for me? Because this Gaiwin has He's to be reiterated, dick. is not the Gaiwin of Arthurian legacy. Who, if he'd found a ghost with no head, he would have been like, Hell yeah, I'll find your head. Also, I'll hunt down that guy who fucking, like, murdered you and raped you. Yeah, like, 100% he would have been like... He would have been like, I want to do what you asked and go the extra mile. He would have, been, he would have like, looked at his watch and been like, I only have six days till I'm going to be at the Green Knights. I'll ride through the night. I think I can do this. Yeah, we're good. I got you. But, so then he ends up at a manor, a castle, mm-hmm. and he meets the lord of the castle and the lady of the castle and an old woman that lives with them. Yeah. I never remember how to pronounce the fucking name. The name is Betelik. Betelik. Okay, there we go. Or Betelik. I think it's It's Betelik, but I might be wrong. Betelik sounds more old English-y. Anyways, we don't get their names in this movie, so it doesn't matter. They're literally just listed as Lord and Lady in the credits. I didn't even bother to look at the credits. I didn't either. I've done a tiny bit of research outside of this. Also, Arthur isn't credited as Arthur. Guinevere isn't credited as Guinevere. Do we only have Guywin credited as one of the fucking knight names? That, that's the only knight name in the movie. None of the other knights appear in the credits. And, like, <laughs> Arthur is just listed as king, and Gwy- uh... Guinevere is listed as queen. <laughs> Morgan Le Fay is listed as Guywin's mother, or just mother. Nice. Like, n- none of the characters get names, except Green Knight and Guywin. And Green Knight's not even his name. Green Knight's Betelik. Yeah. But not in this movie. As far as I can tell, in this movie, Green Knight is not Betelik, even though they hint at the relationship in the manor. Yeah. But so he gets there, and we basically start the game of gifts. In... Which, if you if you're familiar with the source material, the game of gifts goes like this: Beltalik and his men will go out hunting every day, mm-hmm. and the finest thing that they get that they get they will give to Gaiwin for his journey yeah. home. And Gaiwin, in whatever he does in his day, whatever will, he receives, receives in the castle, whatever he receives during his day, he will give to Beltalik. And that's the game of gifts. And like. You're like, it's, oh, what can Gaiwin like, receive in, in the castle? In a movie, it would work really, really well, because it's just an area of tension in the fucking, like, story. Yeah, and, like, you're like, what can Gaiwin receive in the castle? The answer is the love of Bel- Beltalik's wife. Yes. Um, The first day, I don't remember what Beltalik gets, but Gaiwin gets a I think it's a, a fox. The, the fox is day three. The fox, a fox is day three? Uh-huh. It might be, like, a pheasant or something. I know it's, like, larger game as they progress, and then it's a fox for some reason at the yeah. end. So... Gawain gets a kiss from Beltalik's wife. He's mm-hmm. not trying to seduce her, but he's just that cool. Yeah. Um, because that's the thing, right? Gawain is like, he personifies the five aspects of being a knight. I don't remember what those five are, but that's what the pentagram in the movie is, in case you're wondering. Like, the five aspects are like chivalry, loyalty, honesty, honor. I I might be getting them wrong. But that's, that's essentially what they are. Um, and so, Gawain being... Humi- mercy, humility, honor, sacrifice. Okay, I'm seeing more than five on this thing I looked up. Mm-hmm. Um, they get skewed based on translations. Friendship, generosity, ch- chastity, courtesy, and piety. 
piety. That sounds like the five, yeah. Yeah, I think it uses some different words depending mm-hmm. on where you're at, but like that sounds right. Yep. Because I think friendship's also loyalty in some, so it's like yep. loyalty, generosity, chastity, courtesy, and piety. Yep, that sounds right. So Guywin being the honest knight he is, gives Bill to look a kiss. Yeah. So, you know, fair is fair. He gets his, he, they trade gifts. Day two, Guywin receives two kisses mm-hmm. and Beltalik hunts something. Yeah. At the end of the day, they trade. Guywin kisses Beltalik twice. Beltalik makes some type of snide comment because he's like, where are you getting these kisses in my manner? And then day three, Beltalik hunts a fox. Guywin gets three kisses from the lady, but she also gives him her corset, which she claims is magically enchanted to prevent harm. Yeah. I should mention in the movie, Guywin's already received a corset like this from his mother, Morgan Le Fay, at the beginning of the film, but he lost it when the thieves beat him up. Mm-hmm. And she put like a small little leather piece on it that was clearly meant to be an enchantment to keep him safe so he wouldn't die, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. So we should then go back and mention the blind woman that lives with Beltalik and his wife is Morgan Le Fay. Yeah. In the poem, it's Morgan in disguise because Beltalik is the Green Knight. In, in the poem, is it Morgan in disguise mm-hmm. or was it... Guy one's mother who also does some witchy stuff. No, it's Morgan in Disguise. Okay, it's been a while since Um, I've read it. In the movie, it's also Morgan in Disguise, so that much lines up. But the the reason why Lady Beltalik has this sash is because Morgan made it for her, too. Yeah. So on. And she gives it to Guy so Guy can survive the blow of the Green Knight. Mm -hmm. Now, when they trade that night, when Beltalik and Guy trade, Guy gives him the three kisses, but because Guy is afraid for his life, he breaks. The, the five like that five point rule of being a knight and lies it keeps it for himself and Beltalik kind of like knows because he's, he's, the game's rigged he like he knows what his wife's gonna give Guywin before he leaves for the hunt yep so, because it's a test of Guywin's yeah and like let's be real Guywin no matter how good of a knight he is he's scared to die yeah like he's a young man yeah so yes he keeps trying his to prove his worth he's just like and he lies and like then when he confronts the green knight the next day because he rides out from Beltalix to confront the Green Knight. The Green Knight's like, they have this moment where they talk about, like, honor and what it means to be a knight. Mm-hmm. And Guywin does give up the green, does give up the corset. Yeah. He, he fucking comes clean on it. He's just like, And in I return, can't. the Green Knight, when he does bear down the axe on Guywin's neck, stops it short and just gives him a cut on the back of the neck. Yeah. There are some false blows. And I, I was appreciative of that in the movie. In the movie, there are two moments of false mm-hmm. blows where... The knight goes to swing and Guywin chickens out a little bit. He yeah. doesn't so chicken out so much in the poem. He does flinch. Yes. But, and the guy, and actually that was one of the best parts of the movie is they took that line directly from the poem. Did I flinch when you swung? Yeah. Yeah. So from here in the poem, there's, it's very, very little left to the end. Basically, Guywin humiliated and ashamed, but also still vaguely like now understanding. Mm-hmm. And then takes the corset. Wraps it around his arm and rides back to Camelot. Yeah, well, before that, we do get Guywin and Beltalik speaking about how gr- the Green Knight was a visage conjured by Morgan yeah. Le Fay. And, like, and his job actually was to kill him. He's just like, I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. You're too good of a man to kill for this. Yes. And so he rides back home. And then depending on depictions, uh, sometimes his armor's all rushed because he rides through. Sometimes it's normal. But in almost all of them, he has the corset around his arm. And then the other knights join him in like yeah, noting because- this honor and piety. Literally, even Arthur fucking slaps one on. It becomes a symbol of, like, the imperfection of man. Yeah. Like, and it's, like, this idea that no matter how prestigious the Knights of the Round Table may be... They are still human. God, it's such a good story. Which, if you tie that into the rest of the Arthurian myth, works so fucking well. Because the eventual downfall 
of Camelot is really from within. It's from the Knights of the Round. Well, it's because Lancelot's been... Well, Lancelot, but Galahad fucks up. Percival's kind of an ass. Robin, yeah, Kay, like, like, everything just gets fucked. Uh, it's they, such they start a good infighting. story. Mind you, the infighting is facilitated by a magic lady, but they yeah. start infighting. Yeah, it's such a good story. But in the Green Knight, the film... We now have about an hour left of the film. It's about 45 minutes, but God, is it way too much time? Because we get this on the, on the second act swing. Before Guywin has come clean about how the corset. The second act swing, it's coming down. And suddenly, Guywin has a, has the image of himself riding home. Yep. Oh, no, he doesn't have the image. He runs away. Mm-hmm. He, the Green Knight swings his axe, and Guywin's like, I can't do it, and bolts. Like a coward. And he runs away home. Claims he did it successfully, and Arthur gets sick and dies without an heir. So because Gawain is the nephew of the king, he becomes the king. That is not what would have happened, by the way. If he was such an easy heir to the throne, the fall of Arthur would not have been the the issue that the fall of Arthur was. Yeah. Like, 100% Arthur and, and Guinevere die there. That The entire kingdom is erupting into, like, mm-hmm. violence for the throne. But anyways, Gawain ascends to the throne. He... Has a baby with his with his whore, um, but he steals the baby from her because he takes a wife from someone else. Yeah, it's the same actress that played the ghost without the head. Yeah, it's just not actually the ghost, obviously. Yeah, and he eventually grows old, and the kingdom falls apart to war and like other issues. And as the enemies of, in, during the war bang on the door to the castle, he starts pulling the corset from his, from around his waist because he's been wearing it this whole time. Yep. And then his head falls off because he got chopped on the neck, but like it didn't have any effect because he was wearing the corset. Yeah. And that's, that's the end of this. But then he suddenly steps back because this has all been a vision or a dream or a yep. fantasy. And he looks up at the green knight and he's like, okay, let's do this. And green knight goes off with your head. And that's the end of the movie. That's the end of the movie. Um, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, obviously he dies here because like, this is, this is a direct parody of a Martin Scorsese film. Um, which, if it's a direct parody of a Martin Scorsese film, it's not true to the fucking poem. I, I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's about Jesus Christ, and, like, he's up on the cross, and he's given an opportunity to live a life even after being cr- crucified, and he lives this life. I know what you're talking about, yeah. And, like, on his deathbed, his apostles come to him. I've seen it. It's not a good movie. And it, on his deathbed, the apostles come to him, and, they're like, they're talking to him, and Judah is, like, obviously the, the, the person that gave you the opportunity to live this life and not die on the cross was Satan. Like, that was obviously Lucifer in disguise, and you fell for his ruse. And then we cut back to the beginning of the movie where Jesus is on the cross, and he, he dies on the cross. Similar to this movie where, like, we get that fantasy play out of Gaiwan, like, yeah. living this life and then realizing he has to die here. And, like, the par- the parallels there are excellent. Like, if this was supposed to be a, an homage to Scorsese, chef's kiss. Beautiful job. But you could have done it without calling it an adaptation of a fucking... Gawain and the Great Knight. No, I, I think even that scene could play out. Yeah, you could play like, it out in, in that, but nothing else in this fucking film works for it. Yeah, that's the issue. Like the last, in, the last Temptation of Christ is the name of that Scorsese film, nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah. My bad. But like, as a, as good of an homage as that is, it doesn't make up for butchering the source material. And like, the best part of this film is like the two times we see Merlin. Two times we see Merlin. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't really do much. He's just kind of there. Yeah. I liked it, though. Also, he's not listed as Merlin in the credits. I don't know if he is or not. Probably not. Like, here's my, my biggest issue with this. The director claimed that he needed to update this for modern audience. 
and that in order to do that, he Gaiwen needed to be relatable because Gaiwen is not relatable as a character. He's mm-hmm. too perfect to be a relatable yeah, character. But like that's part of the story, right? Like, also, arguably, he is relatable because every person, no matter who or what things they face, definitely face self doubt and have problems believing in themselves, which is the main crux of the story because. We don't see a lot of Gaiwen interacting with the other knights. Like mm-hmm. Gaiwen is extremely perfect in other tales and other tales because we see him from a third per- person perspective. Yeah, but in the story of Gaiwen and the Green Knight, we see it from himself, so we feel his self doubt and all his fucking worries and woes. And like we do, get some... and we see him do doubt and fail in and... Gaiwen and the Green Knight. So he is relatable there. And we get some narration about how he's this perfect knight and stuff, but like all that plays out in such a way as to teach us that like perfection is not a human quality you can't be perfect sir Gaiwen and the green knight's final motif in my opinion is the idea that failure is human and that's such an yeah. important lesson and i don't know why you need to try to change that lesson for a modern audience yes i i feel i feel like right now like i'm one of those people who have just watched a live adaptation of an anime film and is like no this is why it was wrong but like the movie was bad even if i like didn't know the poem yeah we got multiple like we got like tens of minutes of no dialogue riding on horseback which all looks very pretty but like is very boring yeah and even if you look at it from like more um scholastic based things that i've seen talking about gathering the good night the two other main themes that i've seen people talk about aren't even just by this movie the two other main themes i've seen are the nature of chivalry mm-hmm which is completely ignored because we don't have a chivalrous fucking character at all in this. Yeah. No, and the other one is Letter of the Law. Yeah. Because of... Gawain didn't have to detect, the, to decapitate the Green Knight. The, the game was, whatever blow you deal me, I will blow yeah. I will deal you. And then in the um, Game of Gifts, it's even more because, like, in the poem, in most translations I've seen, we see the Green Knight and Bet Erdelich yeah. use the word covenant a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which refers to a compact or an agreement. Yes. Generally, at that time period, for, like, a legal sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, two other main themes aren't even addressed in this movie. So what the fuck are you updating? You're not hitting any of the main themes I've seen anyone talk about for Guy and the Green Knight. Look, the movie looked good. Yeah. It was acted well. It just... It doesn't... Like, I feel like as a fan of the original source material, it doesn't do justice to the original source material. Mm-hmm. And, and viewing it from... And, like trying to view it objectively it's not a good film and actually i think like, there, there's not really anything happening so we, we we went to see this we went to see it during our john con event yeah um and it was me justice our friend chris who's been on the podcast before and our friend hunter who's been on the podcast before and we laid this out we went like half an hour away because mm. the theater nearby wasn't screening it but so like, no like lay this out justice and i are huge like i would say even like Fans of Arthurian legend, like so huge is fans. This is, also quite this a big is fan. one of our favorite poems. Chris likes Arthurian legend, but he's not as familiar with the source material. Yeah, Hunter has never read the source material. Mm-mm. None of us enjoyed the movie. You have, I think, out of the four fans. of us, Hunter hated it the most. The guy who had no frame of reference for the material hated it the most. You have diehard fans. I wouldn't call Chris a casual fan, but like a casual fan of the poem, and somebody that has no idea about the poem in in, in, in its entirety. In my in my mind, that's a pretty good sample of what you could expect an audience to be. Like those are your like yeah, and none of us liked it. None of us. I don't want to like. I don't typically agree with an audience score. I mean, I do sometimes, but like especially early reviews, I feel like critics have a better understanding of the movie. Yes, not this but time. But this is also from May twenty four, which does warrant 
art housey movies and stuff. So there's always this feeling I get sometimes when I watch a movie like this and I see high critics and I'm just like, you just gave it a high critic score because you know someone else is going to be tossing out all these themes and ideas of like why this is such a great film and how it's such a masterpiece. And you just don't want to feel like the idiot when the other critic says it's a highbrow masterpiece. You're like, I, yeah. I clearly understand the themes and motifs and everything that the director is trying to achieve here because I myself am <clears throat> sophisticated. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying 100%. And I've already read some of those reviews. I've watched some of the YouTube videos that are coming yeah. out. And like 100%, there's this idea that if you didn't like this movie you were just not smart enough to like this movie several of the critic reviews i saw that i read afterwards talk basically about how it does a great job of hitting these motifs at no point in some of those reviews do i see the critic mention what the theme motif or main idea or point of the story is that's like it does a really good job of hitting them okay then what the fuck is it hitting tell me it's because you fucking can't (sighs) but that's green knight it was bad don't watch it Oh, uh, I mean, I, I, okay, so there's a certain segment of people that will listen to pe- people like us talk about how much we hated the movie and go like, well, I still need to see it. If you feel like you still need to see it, go watch it. If you like it, props to you. If you enjoy this movie. Tell me how, but props to you. If you, if you enjoy this movie, I'm glad for you because, so I went through a roller coaster before I even saw this movie. I saw this, I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, God damn it. They're going to ruin this poem, aren't they? And then I started getting critic reviews back and, like, seeing people discuss, like, it needing more action or it, like, and, like, it following very closely to the poem. And I was like, oh, God. So my, my roller coaster's going up the hill now. Like, I just plummeted down right right, right the first hill when I, when I saw the trailer. Now we're cranking back up the second hill, getting ready for the, that roller coaster. It's like, is this going to be great? Is this actually going to be good? And then I saw it. And, like, you know what sucked? <sighs> I really liked the way they designed the crown. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a really great crown design, like, and would fit for, like, a bunch... It's not the generic crown design. It, to be it fair, has I... the good generic crown design, like the classic blocky, but it has the halo on the back, basically, that you see in some, like, older, yeah. good fucking art for, like, to kings be fair. and shit. And I was just like, I really like that crown. The moment they fucking put it on Gaiwan's head, I was like, I'm gonna fucking stab someone, I nearly though. had an aneurysm. I was like, the fuck is this? The fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Um... Anyways, though, let's talk about a significantly better movie. Suicide Squad? The Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. My bad. Suicide Squad was kind of garbage, too. Yeah, they fucked up Enchantress. I fucked up. But The Suicide Squad, hella good movie. God, it was so much fun. James Gunn can direct a fun movie. You know what? The Green Knight, definitively not fun. The Suicide Squad, definitively fun. Yeah. I will, right off the bat, say I am a lot less familiar with quite a number of these characters than I was with the characters uh, on the Suicide Squad in the my, DC's first attempt at it. My knowledge of the source material for this movie, nearly non-existent. I know who Starro is. I know who some of the characters are. Um, I don't know, like, their in-depth motivations. And, like, I didn't spend weeks reading and studying the original source material for this. But it was much better. So, so the Suicide Squad movie starts out with reintroducing us to some characters we've already met before namely boomerang and harley Harley quinn Quinn. as well as introducing a whole bunch of new characters to us blackguard weasel people i was familiar with out of this original lineup that they showed in the beginning savant harley boomerang i knew blackguard i didn't really know much about him rick flag obviously and flag other than that i was like i remember weasel existing 
Also, Flula Borg's character looks pretty like something I've seen before. Also, was that played by Flula Borg? I might be wrong off the top of my fucking but, head. But, like, the movie opens up by introducing just this new... Ca- oh, also, I knew TDK because, well, he's yeah. just a joke. So, the movie starts by introducing us to these characters and then shipping them off to do a mission in Corto Maltese. Is that the name of the country? Yes. Yeah. And as soon as they get there, they're immediately under attack because it turns out these guys have just been a distraction. For the other Suicide Squad who, who, who's invading Corto Maltese. Yeah. Which has more people I'm familiar with. I know Ratcatcher. I don't know Ratcatcher 2. I don't. I, I assume she actually exists in the comics, but I was aware yeah. of Ratcatcher. I vaguely know Bloodsport. I fucking know Peacemaker. Yeah. I don't know him super well, but I know Peacemaker's entire gimmick. Well, this was the great thing about watching it with Chris. I know you fell asleep the first time we watched it. I did. But that's just because you were insanely tired and we were all insanely drunk. And I let people stab me with stuff that made my body weak. Oh, yeah, you, you had your COVID shot. Yeah, worth. But that was the great thing about watching this oh, with Chris. Yeah. Also, they had Mongal in the first group, who I was just like, she shouldn't die so easily. Oh, shit, she's dead super easily. That doesn't. I'm okay with it, whatever. Um, Because Chris is, like, nearly a comic book encyclopedia. Like, yeah. anytime there was a question for me or Hunter about a character, he's like, oh, yeah, da 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 Like, so the new group has Peacemaker, Bloodsport, Ratcatcher. Polka Dot Man? Oh, yeah. I, is that his actual Polka- comic book name? I can't remember if that's his full comic book name. Yeah. I was vaguely aware of his character. Polka well. Dot. I feel like there was another person in their group. But I'm for King Shark. Oh, yeah, King Shark. Who I was vaguely upset by because Nanawe is actually kind of dope. And in this, he was just... No, Nanawe stole this movie. He was so good. Oh, no, he was great. And I was just like, but Nanawe is not that dumb. Ah, you know what? It's better than what they did to Killer Croc. I'm cool with this. This is fun. So the first group that we were introduced to, the Harley Quinn, Rick Flag group, we're literally just there as distractions. Yeah. Most of them are immediately murderized in very bloody, gruesome fashion. Again, James Gunn knows how to make a movie entertaining. Eventually, Harley Quinn and Rick Flagg both survive that, meet up with the other group. Mm-hmm. And we get a hella good film about the Suicide Squad invading Corto Maltese, attempting to take it over. And Harley- we also get Peter Capaldi as the thinker. Yeah. Which was fucking dope. And like, I was actually just surprised to see the thinker in a DC thing. Like, so... Like, actual movie. They're there to, like, get the information that Corto Maltese has about Starro. Project Starfish. Yeah, Project Starfish. But in doing so, Starro is released, and Corto yeah. Maltese starts to get its ass kicked by a giant starfish alien. God, Starro being, a vil- being the main villain of a movie, not something I would have ever predicted. A secondary villain, really. That's fair. Thinker and... The leader of Corto Maltese are probably the primary villains. Yeah. Um, Star is just what happens when your party, when you're running a tabletop uh, RPG, finish off your big bad too quickly. And she's like, that was too easy. Um, 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 Red Dragon. Yeah, because the leader of Corto Maltese, like, Harley Quinn's captured. Rick Flag meets up with the other Suicide Squad group. That group attempts to rescue Harley. By the time they rescue her... She's already broken out because she's Harley. Oh, yeah. She's killed the leader of Corto Maltese and escaped. Mm. Uh, and she kills him for an excellent reason. Like, she, he's talking about, like, ruling the world and, and shit. And marrying her. And he, she, like, she kills him and she's like, sorry, I learned too much from my last boyfriend about, like... Like, if I was going to get involved in a relationship, I'd watch out for red flags. And killing kids is a pretty big red flag. God, she's so good. Uh, apparently, Margot Robbie might, al- might not be harley quinn going forward in the future i don't know what the issues are surrounding that that was a news headline on my google feed yesterday kind of sad really sad because she fucking nails it in this when movie. they actually give her good harley dialogue and things to do she's fucking great yeah 
Uh, so it's almost like, like the problem with the first Suicide Squad movie wasn't the actress fucking writing. This is her third outing as Harley, though. There's, I know. There's the Birds of Prey movie. Uh, which I know. She was not great as Harley. Is that, was it Birds of Prey? Maybe. I think that was the name. There's another Harley movie. I totally missed it. I need to watch it at some point. She was good in that one. I think it's Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. But she was a good Harley. I had problems with some other characters, but she was a good Harley. Yep. And... We haven't even mentioned it yet, but Idris, but Blood, Bloodsport is played by Idris Elba. Yes. And he's excellent the entire time. I know you loved John Cena as Peacemaker. God, I love John Cena as Peacemaker. It was, It's the he best was, casting John he Cena was, has okay. ever received. I mean, I think he got pretty good casting in 12 rounds. If you'd said Daddy's Home or Cock Blockers, I would have agreed. I also think he got pretty good casting in The Marine. By which I mean both 12 rounds and The Marine. The role was just made for him because WWE was doing us. Yeah, but both of those movies are terrible. I know. Rounds being less terrible. I know. Anyways, John Cena did such a good job as Peacemaker that he's getting a spinoff TV show. So, bam. Damn. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm cool with it. But yeah, the, like, Peacemaker is an excellent, like, he thinks he, he thinks he's a hero, right? Like, and he's willing to do anything he anything that he has to do to for, for peace. To maintain peace, yeah. Including killing his own allies. Mm-hmm. God, he's such a good character. Uh, Peacemaker was equivalently, I think, just DC's retaliation to Punisher. Or well, Punisher was DC's retaliation. Was Marvel's retaliation to Punisher. They feel similar, yeah. But yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff we're skipping over here because, like, honestly, you just need to watch this movie. It's a lot of fun. But we eventually get to Starro and Polka Dot's death, which is hilarious, but also great. Because the thing about Polka Dot is he's always wanted to be a hero polka right dot man polka dot man like he was raised to be a hero and like he always wanted to be a hero but like his mother was very abusive and mm-hmm. has caused some really prominent psychological damage he murdered her and he murders he murdered a bunch of other people because he thought they were his mother mind you i would just like to point out though out of the entire film we do have the most important character appear and that is calendar man yeah calendar man gets a gets a brief cameo and there's another there's, there's a bunch of like batman villains that get tiny cameos yeah in suicide in like the suicide squad area of yeah. the prison because we also get a background for Bloodsport. and by the way they go out of their way to make Bloodsport literally almost the exact same thing as will smith's um I mean, dead shot actually basically what it is yeah no like they, they go out of his way like he has an estranged daughter he like is being manipulated by what's her name the person that leads suicide waller squad. he's he's being eliminated by he's being manipulated by amanda waller uh, by threats against his daughter just the same way um deadshot was like they go out of their way to make Bloodsport, like make clear that Bloodsport is this movie's deadshot and honestly yeah. very good very enjoyable he's also a much better character than the suicide than the original the first suicide squad's deadshot which the first suicide squad's deadshot is very hard to parse because like he's played by will smith and like we're meant to like him as a person and we're meant to sympathize with him and like they do it's so dis- dissonant when, like, you remember, oh, yeah, this dude's a paid murderer. Mm-hmm. Bloodsport doesn't have that. We we don't have the issue with, like, trying to sympathize with this man. Like, No, he's just straight up about what he does. Yeah. <sighs> and problem with the whole Will Smith deadshot thing, it feels very much like just one of those movies where this big star gets cast, and because it's that person, they're not allowed to do any wrong as, like, the good yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Because... Deadshot's a kind of... Deadshot's a shitty person in the comics. Yeah. Straight up a shitty person. He's a loving father, but a shitty person in the comics. Yes. And that's fine. You can be a shitty person, but care about your family. Will Smith can't be a shitty person, though. No. Any, like, anyways, 
Project Starfish, they, they were only sitting in the Corner Maltese to get the data for Project Starfish. Um, but when Starro busts out and start mind-controlling people, the team was like, no, we have to stop this monster as well. Because, like, literally, it's a kaiju at this point. And Amanda's, like, screaming at them, telling them to, to like, exit, like, meet back at the extraction point. And then Amanda Waller's own people club her over the back of the head so that the Suicide Squad could do what they do yeah. and, and defeat Starro. Ah. Oh, yeah. Also, this entire movie, Harley Quinn's been running around with a javelin because um, a character named Javelin, javelin Flutelborg's character, gets killed very early on and is like, here, take this. You're the only one. And she's like, I'm the only one that can what? Come on. You can't just, li-, like, you see, dies mid-sentence. Yeah. So she's been carrying this around the entire time, um, which eventually ends with her jumping into Starro's eye with the spear, with the javelin, mm-hmm. which hilariously does basically nothing. I mean, it rips the thin membrane over the ink, so for asking of its eye. Yeah, at the end of the movie, it's Ratcatcher who is the one that takes Starro down by sending hordes of rats into Starro's eye. Yep. Uh, yeah, movie was very good. Uh, very much enjoyed it. I hope they get. I hope they let James Gunn do a sequel to this because this might be the best. East, this is the best DCEU movie we've ever had since they started the DC Extended Universe. This is the best movie we've had. None of the Superman movies compare. Justice League was kind of bad. I didn't. I haven't seen Zack Snyder's version yet. I mean, it's better than that, but it's not better than this. I'd argue that Wonder Woman still had a really, really good outing. Oh yeah, the first Wonder Woman movie was yeah. very good. I don't. The second Wonder Woman movie was nowhere near as good. I have a lot of issues with the second Wonder and Woman movie. Don't get me wrong. I have major issues with the start of um the first Wonder Woman comic because it ignores a lot of like classic wonder woman yeah well set up but that's that's fine you can change it it doesn't really change a lot uh i do still hate the way aries looks and whatever but i'd say it's still a really good movie yeah the first one was pretty good second one was less good but yeah this might be the best dcu movie in in the dcu yeah i would say it is i say i think it's better than wonder woman i I had more fun with this movie than i've had with any wonder woman movie but yeah, but arguably also, though, this movie is set to be more fun. Oh, yeah. 100%. Whereas Wonder Woman is definitely set to be more serious. That's a fair point. Also, don't you like oh. how just, like, every iteration of the Suicide Squad is basically mostly Batman villains? Yeah, but, like, Wonder Woman didn't have John Cena in it, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can only do so much without John Cena and Idris Elba. Also, Idris Elba, amazing leading man. John Cena, amazing. I... Nawe was even played by... Nanawe. Nanawe was even played He's by... He voiced by Sylvester Stallone. He was yeah. Steve Agee on set, and Steve Agee was also one of the guys at Waller's, part of Waller's team. Oh, cool. Cool. He was the guy who was like, I'm great at my job. Yeah. I. This movie was great. It's, it's, nice, it's nice to end on this note instead of The Green Knight. You were right. This is a much better way yeah, to we... tackle it. Um, outside of that, I just finished the third book in the Gilman Bastard sequence... Which, the Gentleman Bastards is pretty fucking good. Yeah, it's a series of books by... I'm forgetting his name. Scott Lynch? That sounds right. I think it's Scott Lynch. And the fourth book comes out later this year. August 19th. Yeah, literally like a week from like, this episode. Yeah. Oh, literally a week from this episode. Yep. And I'm super excited to continue the series. It's no King Killer Chronicles, but in the interim, it will do. It's equivocally medieval conmen, well, more like Renaissance-style conmen and magic. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Very good. Very enjoyable. Excited for book four. Yeah. You got anything else to add? Nope. I guess that means 
the next time we see you, we'll be taking off again. It's been a minute since a flight. We missed our last one. Sorry again, guys. But inclement weather. By that, he means vacation. But it was a good time catching back up with everybody. Good time catching up with you guys on this inside the cockpit. And we'll see what our future flights have in store for us. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter at CopilotsReview. Or email us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. Or you can find a link to our email, our Twitter, our Discord, our our YouTube, YouTube. all on our website, copilotsreview.simplecast.com. And remember, if you enjoy our content, feel free to leave us a review wherever you listen to us. And even if you don't feel like leaving a review, if you enjoy us, tell somebody. Word of mouth is one of the strongest ways podcasts grow. Even if you don't know them, just walk up to a stranger that you see and tell them. Yeah, 100%. That's the way to do it. I'm on board with this idea. Uh, anyways. Actually, pro- probably don't don't walk up to them. Approach, stop at six feet, yell about us to them, and then turn and walk away. Coronavirus is getting bad again. I don't think you need to yell at six feet. I'm saying yell at six feet. You need to make that impact. Let them know. Make this person fucking wonder, why are they yelling at me about this? Who is this fucking random person yelling about? Co-pilots review? What the fuck is that? That way they go and Google. Anyways, thanks again, guys. We'll see you on our next flight.